The year is 2015. It's autumn and we are in New York on the east side of busy Manhattan. Inside the UN headquarters, leaders from all 193 member states of the United Nations have gathered in the General Assembly Hall, a huge room that measures more than 20 meters from floor to ceiling. Dressed in their most formal attire, they have locked themselves away for a very important and historic three-day summit. They're here to agree on an ambitious new global agenda to end poverty and pursue a sustainable future by 2030, what we know today as the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, or for short, the SDGs. The hope we have for our future because of the commitments you have made to the global goals. As the summit came to a close on the third day, those present could celebrate the agreement of the SDGs. And when the Danish Prime Minister and co-chair at the summit, Lars Løkke Rasmussen, banged the hammer and uttered the words, it, it is, is so decided. decided, the applause from the crowd resounded in the huge hall. Fast forwarding to 2023, and we are more than halfway towards the 2030 deadline. But at the current development pace and with the setbacks due to the COVID-19 pandemic, how far along are we really in our ambition to transform the world? And what does the future hold for 2030 and beyond? That's what we'll be looking into in this Nordic Talks episode, where we'll hear thoughts and insights from a former diplomatic advisor, an environmental lawyer and a climate justice activist. I'm Josefine Falkwarz, and you're listening to the Nordic Talks podcast. I've been in this game for a long time. This is Jon Fredriksen. I'm a diplomat of 25 years now and worked on different issues. Jon is currently Norway's ambassador to Canada, participating in a Nordic Talks debate about the SDG agenda. It's taking place at the Harbourfront Centre in Toronto, only a couple of hours from where he lives. Before I came to Canada in 2020, um, I was a diplomatic advisor to Norway's then Prime Minister, who at that time was also the uh, co-chair of uh, UN's um, advocacy group for, for the SDGs. So I had the pleasure to, to uh, get to know the, the framework and, and, and um, the SDGs through that job. Jon thinks the 17 SDGs are unique and different from all other global goals because they consider the challenges holistically. It's the whole of society approach uh, of these goals that really make them unique. The um, acknowledgement that you cannot reach one goal alone, uh, you cannot compartmentalize them, you have to uh, look at them together. It doesn't mean that you, or we will be able to solve all those problems in one go simultaneously, but uh, for each goal, I guess there are circles that touch upon each other and you need to, need to define those spaces and see how can we work on, on, on those issues. Um, and very important, I think, it's not a development agenda for certain countries. It's a development agenda for 
all countries and all societies, um, including societies like Norway or Canada or Sweden, who are normally net providers of development aid to other countries. This is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about agendas that we all need to work on in our own societies at home, no matter where we live. And I think that's really the the, the uniqueness here. Um, to see those goals, maybe not all of them all at a time, but always some of them together, I think is extremely important. But how on track are we really to achieve the goals before the deadline in 2030? To answer that question, we pass a microphone to another panelist in today's debate, an environmental lawyer and climate negotiator. Thank you. Uh, I'm Clarice Kehler-Siebert. Half Swedish, half Canadian, Clarice works for the Swedish Environmental Protection Agency. And I would say that if there's a sort of red thread through my career, it's been exactly working in that interface between good transparent uh, scientific data and using that for trying to make the best decisions possible within environment um, and also the social setting in which we all, all live and the SDGs and Agenda 2030 that we're talking about tonight fits the bill quite well. So what are the projections for reaching the goals before 2030? Unfortunately, in, in some ways, it's it's easier to tell the lack of progress story. That narrative is a lot easier to find in, in many ways. Um, I remember when the SDG uh, agenda sort of launched in 2015, my then colleagues at our research institute started looking at SDG interactions, and this became quite an important piece of, of research, and we found it was really easy to see the conflicts. But there is progress, and Clarice thinks it's very important that we also remember that. Often it's how do we tell the story? We need to we need to convince both ourselves and those around us that, that we're doing something good and believe in it and, and go with it. And I think if we look at the agenda as a whole, I mean, there are areas where um, we've moved in leaps and bounds since the the agenda was launched, um, often building, of course, on work that had been going on for, for many, many years before that. If we look at energy access, that's one of the areas where we see a lot of positive interactions. Um, Small-scale energy rollout in, in many countries is often done also in an environmentally friendly way. So we get both access to energy, which can have positive impacts on other goals and have environmental benefits. Same thing with access to uh, cellular and mobile technology. Just um, um, a comment, as, as you say, Grace. Um, this is Jon. You can sometimes be a bit downbeat, but when you when you read the report, the, the latest report from the UN, I I was reading through it the other day, and I was asking myself, is there nothing positive in here? Is this did did we fail, you know, on all seventeen points all the time? And and that's of course not the case. If you look at what is happening in different countries on the SDG agendas, a lot of people have done a lot of work, and they have made progress. But of course, then then the circumstances, especially the pandemic, has has been a huge setback. We can see that globally, but it doesn't mean that all the work that has been done was in vain and that there hasn't been progress uh, in different areas around the world. Uh, and, you know, when, when I traveled with, with our foreign prime minister, uh, um, 
with the advocacy group and we visited say uh, schools around the world we could see that how children uh, was engaged uh, into to the SDGs it we used as a curriculum in schools and so on and what that means down the road is hard to say of course but it happened they've heard about it and started to think about it and um, I'm sure something good will come out of that even if we cannot sort of say that we are where we ought to be uh, in general terms on, on the UN level of things. It's very good that the kids are learning about the SDGs, no doubt. But according to our third and final panelist, it's not enough. Let's bring in Chuck Odenibo. Hello, bonjour tout le monde. Hello, everyone. Chuck thinks it's important that we focus more on climate justice and how climate change and action are impacting people in different ways around the world and locally in communities. He's working on exactly that in the Black and Indigenous-owned and operated youth-led organization, Future Ancestor Services. We see ourselves as the ancestors to the future generation. And so we work to try and design a world, design a society, design a country that is welcoming of this future generation. But we also recognize that our ancestors were people and they made some mistakes. And so it is up to us as the future to fix those errors so that the next generation no longer has to do the consequences of those errors. According to Chuck, one of those errors was not paying enough attention to climate justice. He explains it further. So typically when we talk about climate change, we're talking about greenhouse gases, we're talking about carbon emissions, we're talking about net zero. And so we try to sort of keep our discussions on climate change immoral, right? We try and sort of leave morality out of it. We try and leave politics out of it. And we try and say, here's the science, here are the facts. But in doing so, we tend to ignore the fact that we live in an unjust world. And so because we live in an unequal and unjust world, it also means that the impacts of climate change will be spread in an unequal and unjust manner. That's exactly why Chuck believes it's important to talk about justice and maybe even more so, injustice when it comes to climate change. Climate justice allows us to center the people who are impacted the most by climate change in the ways in which we understand the climate, in the ways in which we act and react to the climate. Chuck has an example of climate injustice from his home country, Canada. Let's say we're like, oh, we need to reduce the amount of carbon emissions. So let us put in place an electric vehicle program where we subsidize people buying electric vehicles. Canada did this. And what Canada found is that people of color and racialized people especially were not only not benefiting from, from this plan because even subsidized electric vehicles are extremely expensive, but they were actively being harmed because as the government prioritized electric vehicles, a lot less priority was being given to public transit. And in Toronto at least, 80% of the black population in Toronto use exclusively public transit. So just sort of thinking about things like that, right? So when you have climate justice as a lens in which you sort of use to analyze and create climate solutions, you're centering people at the heart of what you're doing and you're ensuring that, you know, for lack of better wording, nobody gets left behind, that we're able to move collectively as a society towards good futures. Even though there's a lot of work to be done on climate justice awareness and making sure no one gets left behind, as Chuck says, he's still hopeful and optimistic about the future. Something he thinks is important if we want to shape a future that's more inclusive and better for everyone. 
I think it's important to always have hope. I think uh, there's a study that came out that showed that hope alone um, leads to inaction, but then also fear alone or sort of um, doom and gloom alone also leads to inaction. You need to have that right balance of like hope mixed with that doom and gloom to be able to to act because you see the problem, but then you also feel like there, it is possible to fix the problem. Jon, the Norwegian ambassador, agrees that we need to continue believing that we can create a better future and we must not let our flaws get in the way. To use a proverb that I think you use in English as well, that we have at least in Norwegian, is that you should not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I think that goes for for climate, the work with, with climate change as well, that we have to work in small steps most of the time. Sometimes there's a leap, most often there isn't. And you'll have to work with the small steps and you will have uh, a thousand bits and pieces that you need to piece together. And all of those small steps matters. It's very easy to fall into the trap and and think, you know, doesn't matter what I do. Um, doesn't matter if I, uh, you know, do something in my own garden to to promote one of the uh, the goals because, you know, the rest of the world is, is is not following up, but that's not true because if everyone thinks like that, we we don't get anywhere. And it's true on the level of national governments as well. Uh, there is, I think, too often you hear the argument that we don't have to cut emissions because it doesn't really matter what we do. There are others who pollute so much more in terms of climate change. Uh, what kind of an argument? is that it matters what everyone does in the future. And that goes for the other goals as well. I think that that all the small steps and all the policies made in local communities, provinces, municipalities, national governments, and on the global scale, all matters. And and we have to um, do the best we can. If you look at climate change again, I mean, every decimal matters in the 1.5 uh, degrees goal. It matters if it's 1.7 or 1.9 or, or 1.95. So um, I think that we all need to get into that mindset that, that every step counts uh, and can make life better for a lot of people around the globe. Clarice agrees and thinks that it's important that we work on all the SDGs. The point is not to debate which of these is the most complex or biggest of the problems, but they're they're all tsunamis of challenge. Clarice firmly believes that having a healthy surrounding environment is important if we want to move forward in creating a sustainable future. Clearly, we can't achieve any of these solutions without having a solid environment in which to live and breathe clean air. Um, we're dependent on uh, what we often call ecosystem services, things that we get from the environment. Um, we all come from countries where we're blessed with fantastic nature to enjoy. It gives us pleasure and well-being. Even if we just look at the the motivation we need as, as people to tackle some of these other challenges, we we need a, a sound, healthy and diverse biodiversity and ecosystems to do that. So, so it's fundamental that we get this right. It is very important that we remember factors like the environment around us, because there's no future if we don't manage to implement the SDGs. That's something the politicians and world leaders must prioritize in the following years towards 2030 and beyond. But what about you and me? Is there anything we can do ourselves to incorporate the SDGs in our everyday lives? It's tricky, but Jorn has a suggestion. I cannot sort of uh, 
come up with a shiny example that I have done something uh, that should really sort of uh, have a place on, on on the list of of to do uh, for, for the SDGs. But I think it's about um, also communicating about this locally where you live. I talk to my kids about this. I talk to my uh, neighbors about this. Uh, we discuss it in in in, in the groups of friends. Um, one of the goals in here are uh, livable, I think the term is livable cities and, and uh, livable spaces. So in a society like Norway, that would be one of the goals that you would try to be working on on an everyday uh, level. Uh, what's happening in, in my community that we can work together on to make this place better. And uh, I think the Nordic countries uh, as a whole also have kind of that spirit that people are used to working together in the local communities to to make things happen that can improve their their uh, livable spaces and uh, we do that where I live and I think that's that's common around the, the Nordic countries there's even, even a special word for it which is called dugnad which means that you do this it's not a job it's something you come together and you just get it done um, so uh, being involved in that is would be one small example I think I like the Norwegian dugnad tradition that everybody helps get things done no matter who they are and where they are. In Denmark, this specific concept doesn't exist. But just like the Norwegians, we do have a tradition for chipping in and volunteering. At my children's school, parents come together to help with maintenance a few days a year, and the SDGs often play a central role. Last year, for instance, we built an insect hotel as well as rainwater collectors. Chuck also has a suggestion for what we can do ourselves to promote the SDGs and work for a more inclusive and sustainable future. He thinks we must all be better at including the ones less well off and at the same time acknowledge and realize that a lot of us have privileges that others don't. You know, when acting on SDGs, when looking at ways in which we can act on SDGs, beyond sort of the professional life, because, you know, jobs are jobs, you need to pay rent. I always sort of highlight the importance of being able to recognize the privileges that you hold. And I, I know the word privilege tends to come across as a buzzword, but in this case, what I mean is the ways in which you are advantaged and the choices in which you have access to. And being able to exercise that to the benefit of those who do not hold those same choices. If you're looking at your personal life, questioning sort of the, what, do you, what choices are you able to make that you know others do not have access to that you need to make on their behalf, And what power do you hold? Which stages are you able to sort of speak on? Which which places are you able to be the center of attention? And then when that attention is on you, what are you then able to do to advance the SDGs, to advance justice, to advance um, our goals of, you know, ending inequity and, you know, protecting life above land and climate justice and all this fun stuff. Um, and then as you sort of figure that out, also recognizing that it's not always going to be easy. It is very difficult. Speaking up and sharing their opinions is definitely something Chuck and our other panelists have been doing today. And when it comes to encouraging others to promote development for a sustainable future, Clarice thinks it's crucial that we use our rights to vote in elections, because that's an extremely effective way to influence how the world develops. I've been sitting here listening and thinking, and there's so many things to say, but I think I'm going to choose two um, addressing two parts of the problem um, as, as I, I frame it for myself. Uh, and uh, the first is I, I vote. And what I want to say by that is not only that we're very lucky to live in, in democracies, um, it's a very little 
personal choice. It only takes five minutes, as we know. Um, but I think it speaks to the fact that while we often talk about all of these personal choices and things that we can do, uh, ultimately, I have a little bit of a problem putting it down to the individual as well. It becomes an enormous responsibility that I need to fix these problems. It's it's also a structural problem. We have structures in different ways. Um, and, and we need policies and we need dialogues and we need understandings and we need a whole infrastructure behind us that allow us to take those personal decisions. And then the other part of my answer is inform yourself. I, I try to inform myself of what, what are the choices I can make in my daily life that are socially responsible or environmentally sound. And, and those will look very different depending on where you, you live in the world. Um, We've heard several times in the Canadian context talking about um, access to public transport. That's a really low hanging fruit in lots of places. I can choose not to have a car because it's very possible for me to do uh, in the city where I live. Um, in Sweden, I don't know how it is in Norway, you can choose uh, where your energy source, what heats your home. You can make active choices with different price categories. Um, my husband and I own shares in a windmill uh, so that we get wind power and know that we always have a renewable source of energy. So small things like that, but also acknowledging that those choices will be very different depending on where you live. And the reason they're different is shaped by the policy and the structures around it, which is why it's important to protect our democracy. After listening to our three panelists, it's clear that all of us have a part to play in promoting and implementing the SDGs, no matter if we work in a political office or not. And even though it's difficult at times to see the changes in the world and keep having a positive mindset, we must not let the perfect be the enemy of good, as a Norwegian ambassador said. It's very important to remember that positive change is happening and that people all around the world are working to make it a more sustainable, peaceful and better place every day. But there's still much work to be done if we want to achieve the 2030 agenda that the world leaders agreed on in the UN headquarters almost eight years ago. So we have to roll up our sleeves and get to work for our own sake and for the sake of future generations. I'm Josefine Folkvarts. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nordic Talks podcast. Be sure to follow Nordic Talks on Instagram at nordic.talks and find more information on upcoming events, new podcast episodes and much more.